Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us this week. As always, it's a busy week at Judicial Watch, either with lawsuits, disclosures, or just general judicial watching on behalf of you, the American people, uh, especially important now given the lawlessness uh, pervading our society and the cities due to the leftist insurrection with the enabled and empowered criminal class, thanks to the war and the police. It's essential we have independent watchdog groups holding government to account and certainly encouraging it uh, where possible to enforce the rule of law as we face this national crisis. Uh, accordingly, we have uh, new documents that we have put out that tie uh, the Pentagon to the most pernicious type of anti-Americanism, racial division, just the, the, the insane uh, racial uh, divisiveness that you've seen from the left these days where they've been pushing this uh, anti-American, anti-anything uh, other than minority, because it's hard to tell who they're opposed to, uh, depending on what they're arguing, uh, propaganda. And Judicial Watch uncovered uh, thanks to our intrepid investigators, documents from the Department of Defense, the Department of Defense, that uh, show that our Pentagon, our military, is attempting to brainwash our troops, our service members, uh, with the worst type of uh, anti-Americanism. I don't know how else to describe it than that. Uh, there are documents produced to us from the Defense Equal Opportunity Management Institute. And they're used by the department's equal opportunity advisors to train service members on diversity topics. So when you hear diversity, you're supposed to come away with a warm and fuzzy feeling, right? Well, for the left, diversity means destroying the country. You'll see that in these documents. The teaching and materials include student study guides written for these advisor courses, these equal opportunity advisor courses, that are critical of persons who, quote, believe that human similarities are more important than differences. So people who necessarily, you're not supposed to want to bring people together. You're supposed to want to divide them. Advises people to acknowledge their, quote, privilege when it is pointed out to them. Claim that heterosexuals are sec have sexual orientation privilege and that, quote, religion privilege exists. According to the website, the organization uh, was um, propelled by the civil rights movement in the 1960s. I don't know how what this has to do with the civil rights movement in the 1960s, but I guess I'm naive. Uh, the operating budget is, um, I don't know, they spent about $20 million during the Obama years. I think this year they're going to spend about $13 million. So it's your tax dollars at work here. And of course, it's our military that is being victimized with these crazy trainings. The records include a chapter entitled Power and Privilege, in which students are taught 
that the privilege, the privilege can also be linked to various forms of identity, such as sexual orientation, privilege, and religious privilege, as I discussed. Students are also taught that there is sexual orientation privilege associated with the marginalization of non-heterosexual lifestyles and the view that heterosexuality is the normal sexual orientation. The guide advises that some dominant group members may claim, quote, personal achievement mostly depends on personal ability. So did you hear that? So if you think that you uh, are bettered in society through your own achievement, through your personal ability, you're part of the problem. The study also teaches that people who raise religious objections to homosexual marriage are engaged in a form of discrimination called principium. I've never heard of that one before, which is avoiding exploration based on religious or personal principle. Oh, so if you're principally opposed to gay marriage, you are engaged in discrimination necessarily, according to the Pentagon. This is what they're telling our troops. These people are willing to put their lives out in the line for us, put their lives on the line for us, and they're being brainwashed, or at least they're tempted, attempting to brainwash them. And by the way, if you engage in, quote, minimization, which is skepticism of this uh, libel and slander that all of America is racist, uh, you're a racist too. The guide notes uh, that um, uh, modern racism, for instance, is saying things like discrimination is a thing of the past. Tactics and the demands of activists, meaning leftists, are unfair and that racism is bad. So even if you oppose racism, you're a racist. If you suggest that discrimination is not as bad as the leftist rabble-rousers say, you're a racist. And then they have a chart labeled racist behavior. And they say um, that people who oppose policies designed to address racial equality or feel that these policies are a violation of norms and fairness are modern racists. So this is what our, this is what our, uh, I could go on and on about this, and I'm not going to read the whole release to you. But uh, this, this, this training, I, uh, I went and I confirmed it's still going on at the Pentagon. So you may be concerned about what's being taught in our schools. This is what's being taught in our military. And it's been going on for years. It began during the Obama administration. I think the program began in 2015 and the training continues. And the current leadership of the Pentagon was brought up on this, endorsed this. You may see in the news this week that uh, the leadership of the Pentagon is uh, basically making it impossible or, or uh, outlawing, practically speaking, uh, any, any depiction of the Confederate flag in military installations. Why, why did they have to do that right now? Why? Because the left wants it done. It's not about a considered 
thinking of history. It's not about why is it, where is it being used and what cases is it being used? Is it being used to intimidate people or is it being used to reflect on military battles in the past that the United States was engaged in? No, ban, complete ban. You may recall how uh, you had General Mattis attack President Trump a few weeks ago uh, when he was uh, talking about using troops to defend the country. You know, Mattis, in my view, is a stalking horse for many of the general leadership staff of the Pentagon. These generals are mostly Obama generals. So when you're when you're talking about the deep state, the Pentagon has a deep state because this this is the sort of garbage it's perpetrating. This is uh, they're, they're they're forcing on our young men and women going in there. I mean, go to our website and read the full thing. You're going to be completely outraged. And I know many of you 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 want your sons and daughters, and you'll be and you'll be so proud your grandsons and your granddaughters went into the military. Be warned. This is what they have to go through in order to do what they want to do, which is defend the country. I mean, the left, to the degree the left supports the military, they support it as a vehicle for social change. They don't believe in its core mission. It's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. You know, and, 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 and those of, you know, the media and some of our friends on the right, you know, they, tr they try to figure out and they're confused why, you know, this is just craziness. It's racist to be against racism. It's racism to just to be white. You hear this phrase, white privilege. And it, it may sound confusing unless you recognize that this is communism you're, for, you're fighting. It's Maoist. It's, it's, it's the revolutionary left. And with the, from the revolutionary left's perspective, and right now they're, they're, we are in a revolutionary period, uh, they believe our systems are all oppressive. Everything that you win, uh, that is the basis for America, frankly, Western civilization is the, is part of racist, patriarchal, heteronormal, capitalist, religious, oppression. The education system's oppression. Everything we do, our personal interactions, reflect that oppression. So when you hear the phrase systemic racism, that's only part of what they believe. Everything is systemic about them. They think our entire system is fascist. So when you hear Antifa and they say, well, we're just anti-fascist, well, that's true from their perspective, but their definition of fascism is the American system. It's destroying capitalism, it's destroying everything. 
And so as a result, all the structures of society need to be torn apart. This is what we're facing. And we laugh about it because it's, it's so absurd to us outsiders, right? But if you believe in the system, if you're part of the cult, the revolutionary cult, it's all internally consistent. It doesn't survive outside scrutiny, but they don't care about that. They, would, they think that logic and reason are part of the oppression. Are part of the oppression. So you may think it sounds stupid, and that's frankly for them evidence that you're part of the problem. I need to go through this type of training. This is deadly serious stuff. We can't reason with this. This is we can't appeal to the First Amendment. They laugh at that because they think that whole constitutional system protections of rights and freedom of speech. That's designed to suppress their aggrieved interest groups. It's part of the oppression. They don't care about the First Amendment and the Constitution. We can't appeal. We can't appeal to these values because they don't believe in them. So what that what does that mean? It means we have to stop them. It means when they're out there trying to destroy a, a courthouse, they have to be arrested. It means that when they want to destroy the police, it means they need to be stopped. The Judicial Watch has been highlighting this pernicious training, this way of life, this way of thinking in our government for years. This training has been going on in the military for years. We highlighted it back in 2015. There was similar training like this going on. When everyone says about uh, when, when there's been criticism, well, it's not just about the, Confederate, uh, the Confederacy they're concerned about, it's about the founding. Well, that's been true for years. When you look at look, when you look at what their these diversity people have been uh, being paid by you to do, it's it's to attack the founders as well. They don't believe in America. They don't. Well, we have a federal police finally doing things in, in Portland to defend federal property, which is frankly the most, the minimal they could be doing. So the, the Antifa people have um, videos out suggesting because our police, DHS police are in camos, they have the, they have their insignia on. They're saying they're doing, you know, they're, they're unmarked officials arresting people. Well, they weren't unmarked. Their uniforms were marked. I expect propaganda and lies from Antifa, but then I see it picked up by the media. You had a United States Senator, Senator Merkley, promote that violent left lie. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. The violent left, the revolutionary left, the communist leftist revolution won't win on its own. It will only win with the help of politicians who enable it, coddle it, further it, 
or in the case of some Republicans, refuse to do anything about it. And if you're concerned about it, call your congressman, call your senators, call your local officials, call your chief of police, call your governors, call your state legislatures. I don't know about you, but I fear about the future of our country. We're all concerned, and this is this is something that we have to reflect upon. We're all concerned about our safety. I know people are still nervous about the coronavirus. I don't blame them given the panic that the media is trying to promote for political purposes with uh, allied politicians. All, it's all anti-Trump politics, but I know people are still very nervous about it. And then you see the, the violence in the streets, escalating criminal activity in the cities. Not a good time. And I hope we survive it. But let's not pretend it's not a crisis. Let's not pretend our republic is on the brink. And I've been trying to warn you. I've been trying to warn politicians here. I've been trying to educate Americans. Judicial Watch has been that our republic has been under assault for several years now. You saw it at the borders. You saw it with President Trump when they tried to overthrow the election through the coup impeachment and the Mueller harassment of him. You see it quite literally on the streets now with the violence. You see it with our election systems. Our republic is tottering. And I'll, and I'll say this, uh, and, and I've got a book coming out for Judicial Watch, and I encourage you to pick it up because I, I try to go through this all. It comes out in October. You can pre-order it now. And I'm not saying this to promote the book because I frankly should do more of that, but I'm saying it because I want you to know. This is an important issue. I want you to know what's out there. And the book's called A Republic Under Assault. Our republic is under assault. So what can we do about it? Like I said, you have to be active. You have to defend our history, defend our children, because they're going to be in, they're, they're already in the schools trying to indoctrinate our children. But you have to be active. You have to be active. So uh, Judicial Watch is doing all of this. I call it, you know, I always say we're always doing the heavy lifting. And, uh, but, you know, you get results. You get big results. And Judicial Watch has uh, really done more than anyone here in Washington to expose the corruption behind the targeting of President Trump and um, really the, the details of the dastardly acts uh, really that were treacherous and seditious against the president. And one of the biggest cases in that regard has been our lawsuit for the communications between, between uh, Lisa Page and Peter Strzok. Remember they're having an affair, uh, but of course they were also colleagues in the FBI. So they, um, on top of the affair, they were working together. So. You can imagine their emails were very chatty and informative about what was going on. 
And we sued for the records beginning in 2000. I think we asked for them beginning in 2017, probably sued for them the end of 2017. And the FBI and the Justice Department has done nothing but slow walk and slow roll the release of that information ever since. And at this, at this rate, they, um, right now, there are 8,000 records at least remaining. They haven't processed any text messages, as best I can tell. They've given us a few text messages, but only because they had given them to Congress and they were already public. But the rest of the text messages they haven't processed. And so they what they will do is look at 500 pages of emails and then decide which of those emails to give us. So they're not even giving us 500 pages a month. They're processing 500 pages a month. And as of today, there are 8,000 pages left. So you do the math. That means we will not get all the emails and text messages that we're due under the law until the year 2021, the end of 2021. And that assumes, you know, they, that there's no, nothing they hold back and we don't have to fight over what they hold back and all that. So this is gonna go on through 2022, 2023. So when you hear the Justice Department say they want to get to the bottom of this, when you hear the FBI Director Ray say he wants to get to the bottom of this, Directors Ray, Director Ray's FBI is slow walking the release of information that if fully released will fully, will more fully describe the criminal activity that's been taking place in the FBI or have been for years. Maybe it still is, I don't know. Maybe that's why they're still hiding it. For instance, if we had gotten the emails and text messages like we were supposed to under law, we would have known about the criminal conspiracy about general to against General Flynn or have had the details about it and confirmation of it back in 2018 or 2017, quite literally, but more likely early 2018, two and a half years ago. We would have known it all. And there was no lawful reason to withhold the information. Sometimes people say, well, maybe they're withholding it because they're using it in a criminal case and all these criminal cases need the information to be private. That's not true. That's not the reason they're withholding it. The material we're being given is public material. And it's not being slowly released to us because they need it because of criminal issues. It's because, well, yeah, because of criminal issues, because I think there are a bunch of crooks in the FBI who don't want to see what's been going on. So as a result of the release of these records, which we've been getting in batches and batches, things stopped for a while, thanks to the coronavirus they use as an excuse, the FBI shut down their FOIA processing, we started getting more documents. And sure enough, they show ex really smoking gun evidence of the FBI conspiracy against President Trump. The latest batch of documents show that on the night before the inauguration, there were a frantic series of emails between FBI leadership um, about whatever, I don't know, there's talk about counterintelligence division, uh, the Washington field office, all sorts of things. All this is going around back and forth just before Trump comes in. The thread was initiated at 3.29 p.m. on January 19th by an assistant general counsel in the FBI's national security branch. 
in an email Peter struck with an almost entirely redacted email. Again, all redacted. So they're still hiding material from us. A person said, I'll give Trisha Baker a heads up too. Probably Baker is the lawyer for uh, the top lawyer for the FBI at the time. Strzok's reply is redacted again, as is the response to Strzok. Strzok then says at 7.04 p.m., I briefed Bill Priestep this afternoon. He was trying without success to reach Andrew McCabe. I will forward below to him has to his changes in the timeline. What's your recommendation? So there's a timeline they're concerned about. The counterintelligence division's officials replied if Strzok is mostly redacted, except for approved by tomorrow afternoon is the request redacted. Please advise if I'm missing something. An unidentified official replies redacted. Uh, Bill is aware and willing to jump in when we need him. At 8 p.m., Strzok responds, copying officials in the counterintelligence division, Washington field office and general counsel's office, just talk with Bill. Please relay above to Washington field office and someone whose name is redacted tonight and keep me updated with the plan, with the plan to meet and results of same. Good luck. Struck then forwards the entire email exchange to Lisa Page saying, Bill spoke with Andy. And then there's a redaction and Struck writes, here we go again. What is going on at the FBI and why were they going crazy just as President Trump's coming into office? Well, we have a little bit more information on that. On January 21st, the day after Trump's inauguration, Strzok forwarded to Lisa Page and a redacted person an email that he sent the day before, that day, excuse me, to Priestep. Now, Priestep was Strzok's next, uh, his next, his, his supervisor. So it's Priestep and then Strzok's right underneath him. Now, Lisa Page is working over there for Andy McCabe in the direct assistant in the up, up in his office, uh, who is the assistant director. So Page was a lawyer for the uh, leadership of the FBI. So Strzok sends the uh, email, forwards it to Page, an email that he sent that day to Priestep, asking them not to forward or share. In the email of Priestep, Strzok said, let me put my, my glasses on help. I heard from blank about the White House CI briefing, counterintelligence briefing, routed from blank. I am angry that Jen did not at least CC me as my branch has pending investigative matters there. This brief may play into our investigative strategy and I would like the ability to have visibility and provide thoughts counsel to you in advance of the briefing. This is one of the reasons why I raised the issue of Lane's responsibilities that I did when you asked her to handle White House detailee interaction. Now, what does that all that mean? That means, I interpret it at least, you can interpret it any way you want, but based on all the information I know, and, I, and I've pretty much seen everything I think there is to see, 
they were concerned that the FBI's counterintelligence briefing of the White House, which presumably would include the president, would expose their spy operation against Obama, excuse me, against Trump and against Flynn and the others. Crossfire hurricane. How can you conduct a counterintelligence investigation of that note, of that nature, without telling your bosses about it? They couldn't. You may recall that this was the topic of a discussion between President Obama and Comey, where Obama was like, well, should we withhold anything from them? They obviously were withholding information from them. This document suggests that. Sarah Carter, our friend, the investigative reporter, she interpreted the document, and this is her headline, Judicial Watch uncovers explosive FBI emails appearing to reference a White House confidential informant. Well, what is she referencing? She's referencing that line where uh, Strzok says, I heard from blank about the White House CIA briefing. How did he hear about it? He doesn't provide them. And you may recall that Strzok was using these briefings, the FBI was using these counterintelligence briefings of the campaign, the Trump campaign, not to provide a counterintelligence briefing, but to spy on them. What does this all mean to me? It means as soon as President Trump walked into the Oval Office, the FBI was after him. We've got the emails confirming it. It's incredible material, isn't it? Durham's done nothing. Durham's done nothing. He was appointed in April of last year. It's now July. What is that? 15 months later. Still no, not one prosecution. I'm not even aware any of these people have gone before a grand jury. Yeah, I know grand juries are supposed to be secret, but believe you me, there was a serious grand jury going on or in the past now or in the We'd hear about it. Nothing's going on. And there are documents coming out today from the Senate. They gave them some classified information. Uh, Senator Graham uh, released the documents. And the documents show that Peter Strzok knew because uh, there's a document where he's reacting to a New York Times story suggesting that Trump and Russia were in a conspiracy. And Strzok is writing in the margins that, that we don't have any evidence of that. What's this coming from? Where's this coming from? And by the way, we've been spying on them and we still can't find any evidence of it. So you get the confirmation of unmasking, spying, confirmation that none of it's happened, not that they don't have anything. This is all happening in February of 2017. They knew from the get-go, again, that there was never any collusion with the Russians, yet they kept on spying on Trump. The other interesting, there are a lot of things in these documents, but I thought another interesting aspect of it is that there was this uh, reporter who reached out to the FBI who was, wanted to do some type of a uh, big story on the handling of the Clinton email investigation. Well, I went and reviewed the story the, the person wrote, which of course was an apologetic, you know, which was trying the FBI trying to defend its mishandling of the Clinton email investigation. 
but you can see that they leaked to him. So they're not supposed to be talking to him about it, but they did anyway, because we have the emails showing it was happening. So what else is out there? We don't have the text messages. We're still waiting on the emails. What else is out there? So our litigation there is continuing. Um, and if I were President Trump, I bring in the director of the FBI and I bring in the Justice Department, Mr. Barr, and I say, release all these records. It's not just them, it's the State Department. We had a decision this week from a court. We were asking for more discovery into the state's mishandling of the Clinton email issue. And guess what? The State Department opposed us and the court agreed with them. So we go in there, we're trying to get the truth and this State Department and this Justice Department is opposing us and defending Hillary Clinton still. State Department, we're suing for unmasking records. State Department, we're suing for Joe Biden corruption records. We're suing for anti-Trump coup records, getting the runaround. Meaning we haven't gotten much of anything. If any, I don't think we've gotten anything yet. So this is why I get frustrated sometimes. But on the other hand, I know it's frustrating, frustratingly slow, but things still keep moving along. So despite the slow walking of documents, the material comes out. And it wouldn't come out, but for Judicial Watch. And I'll say it once, I'll say it again. Hillary Clinton would be president, but for Judicial Watch. We didn't do it to keep her from the presidency, but it's a consequence of our work. And I'm convinced that President Trump would not be president right now, meaning he would have been removed as president, but for Judicial Watch consistent and insistent pressure that Mueller be held accountable and that the truth about all of this come out. So uh, with that, we've got more coming. We have more FOIA requests. I think we have at this point filed probably 5,000 Freedom of Information Act requests. So we can't sue every time we ask for documents. We don't have the capacity to do that. But more documents and more, I mean, more lawsuits are coming and we're not stopping. And I don't know what's gonna happen on election day, but Judicial Watch ain't going away. If Trump wins, we will be here holding his administration accountable, still trying to figure out about the corruption of the Obama administration and the unprecedented, the worst scandal in American history. And certainly if, if uh, Joe Biden wins, we'll have our work cut out for us as well then. We will be here for you no matter what. So with that, I wish you a, a great weekend and a great week. I'll see you next time here on Judicial Watch's weekly update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.